In this episode, I'm going to discuss what disinformation is, how it has risen alongside the COVID-19 pandemic, and how the anti-vax movement is being combated on social media. Before we can get started though, I want to talk a little bit about the difference between misinformation and disinformation. While these terms have been used somewhat interchangeably throughout the last year or so, there is a distinction and it is a useful one when talking about the spread of false news on social media and in the real world. Misinformation is any sort of false information which is shared regardless of intent to mislead. It might be something you've heard but don't know the accuracy of and share without intending to mislead anyone. Disinformation, by contrast, is the deliberate sharing of misinformation with the intent to mislead. And if that still doesn't quite make sense, then hopefully the distinction will become clearer with some examples. Misinformation was rife, particularly towards the start of the pandemic, if you can stretch your mind back that far. Plenty of false information was shared about the virus, and this was often well-intentioned, or at least not ill-meaning. Speculation spread about the origins of COVID-19, possible symptoms, potential treatments, which groups are most at risk, where the virus is most prevalent, and how the government was planning to combat it. Much of this speculation was shared in WhatsApp groups and private Facebook groups, and often stemmed from dubious sources. Distant relatives in a civil service, a mild acquaintance who worked at a hospital, Gwyneth Paltrow, and this was a trait which led to a degree of parody online. Also, just so you know, um, my sister, her boyfriend's um, brother, works on the Ministry of Defence and one of the things that they're doing to prepare, and this won't affect London, this will be everywhere, they're basically worried that people are going to get stuck indoors without any food. So one of the things that they're doing is they're actually working on making a massive lasagna. Um, so they're actually, at the moment as we speak, they're building like the massive lasagna sheets um, and they're just going to start making the layers um, today. Uh, and then hopefully like obviously put the put the bolognese on and then put the sheets on top but they're having to make the special sheets obviously because they've not got one big enough because they're making lasagna the size of Wembley Stadium so how they're doing it is they're actually putting the, the underground heating at Wembley that's going to like bake the lasagna and then they're going to put the roof across so it's like a recreate an oven um, and then what they're going to do is they're going to like carry that um, they've got loads of drones and they're going to like lift it up with the drones and they're going to like like cut off little portions and like drop them into people's houses um, just so to make sure everyone's eating still and no one dies, which is obviously quite sensible. In the wake of this speculation, more organised disinformation followed, with conspiracy theories questioning the very existence of the virus, denying its severity and encouraging people to reject masks and social distancing. Some were led to believe that the virus was in some way spread or transmitted via 5G phone masts. This is a widely rejected theory which nonetheless drove certain groups of people to attack engineers working on the masts as well as attempt to burn down the towers themselves. Anti-lockdown protests across America as well as in London and Berlin were a cause of concern for those advising governments on how to prevent the spread of the virus. And while there are legitimate concerns surrounding the handling of the pandemic in many countries, such unyielding denial in the believers of these baseless conspiracy theories has been damaging to efforts at controlling the spread. 
A recent example of this has been the videos circulating online which claim to show that hospitals are actually empty. And this is something that the Chief Executive of NHS England, Sir Simon Stevens, vehemently rejected a couple of weeks ago. But, I mean, let's just be completely straightforward about it. When people say that, it is a lie. If you sneak into a hospital in an empty corridor at nine o'clock at night and film that particular corridor and then stick it up on social media and say, this proves the hospitals are empty, the whole thing is a hoax, you are not only responsible for potentially uh, changing behavior that will kill people, but it is an insult to the uh, nurse coming home from 12 hours in critical care, having worked her guts out under the most demanding and trying of circumstances. There is nothing more demoralizing than having that kind of nonsense spouted when it is most obviously untrue. And so actually looking at some of the reports that uh, Channel 4 and dare I say it, uh, BBC, Fergus Walsh had a brilliant report last night from uh, University College hospitals the same has been true for ITV Sky I mean you are reporting what is actually going on that is what people need to concentrate on. That reporting is something that I've been following in preparation for recording this episode and there's been some really interesting work done by Mariana Spring who is the BBC's new specialist disinformation reporter and who has also been looking at the QAnon conspiracy theories in America which is something that I want to talk more about another time. In particular, Spring and the BBC's disinformation unit have been monitoring the anti-vaccine movement amid concerns about vaccine hesitancy, and a potential lack of uptake in the vaccine among certain groups who are being targeted by anti-vaxxers online. In a recent Panorama report, she discusses the impact of professional-looking videos of supposed medical experts who claim that the virus isn't safe and could even alter DNA. Here's Sky News' Alex Rossi questioning Kate Shimanari, a high-profile conspiracy theorist and former nurse, on the subject. No vaccine's ever been proven safe, and no vaccine's ever been proven effective. We know that's not true. Please allow me to answer Millions and millions of lives have been saved by vaccines. They're some of the safest medicines ever invented. That's just nonsense. Kate Shemarani's emerged as a spokesperson for the extreme movement, spreading falsehoods about vaccination. And despite nearly one and a half million deaths worldwide, she even claims there's no health crisis. There is no evidence that I can see that a pandemic exists. There is no evidence that SARS-CoV-2 has been purified and is unequivocally in existence. Now a lot of the videos reported on by Spring and others have since been taken down, but some have warned that it's too little, too late. Despite warning tags being placed on certain searches on many social media sites, you are still generally only a few clicks away from various accounts full of spurious information relating to the vaccine's ingredients, efficiency and side effects. So whose responsibility is it to combat this disinformation and how can the media report on harmful conspiracy theories without spreading them further? There's no easy answer to this question and it's something that social media platforms themselves have been struggling with for a long time. Recently, the EU has launched a commission on shaping Europe's digital future, as part of which a code of conduct for tackling online disinformation has been drafted, which several of the major social media sites have signed on to. Whether this will go far enough in tackling disinformation online, and the extent to which this makes social media companies responsible for the content on their sites as a publisher, remains to be seen, but some of the strategies within this code of practice may also be useful for reporting. It's fairly dull reading, so I'll give you a summary on this. Essentially, the code of practice advises that platforms take action in five different areas. Firstly, in disrupting the advertising revenues of accounts and websites that spread disinformation. This again is something I will come back to when talking about QAnon in a future episode, since Alex Claplin has done some reporting on how YouTube has made money off videos which claim President Trump will be re-inaugurated on March the 4th. He wasn't. Secondly, the code directs platforms to make political advertising and issue-based advertising more transparent. 
Thirdly, it calls on sites to address the issue of fake accounts and online bots. Fourthly, it encourages platforms to empower consumers to report this information and access different news sources, while improving the visibility and findability of authoritative content. These are those information warnings you might have come across when looking at posts about COVID-19 online. And finally, it asks that they empower the research community to monitor online disinformation through privacy-compliant access to platforms' data. This is quite a lot of work, and certainly more than social media companies have done in the past. When it comes to media reporting, however, the main area of concern is providing authoritative content. And to end this episode, I want to give an example of how this has been done recently with regards to the COVID-19 vaccine. Today, those doctors and scientists have found us a way forward, a COVID vaccine that is safe and will help save lives. Now, of course, we have many questions and concerns. Let's clear some of them up. There is no scientific evidence to suggest the vaccine will work differently on people from ethnic minority backgrounds. The vaccine does not include pork or any material of fetal or animal origin. It's important to understand that the vaccine does not contain the live virus itself, only harmless elements from it. And taking the vaccine is the only way to boost the immunity against COVID for you and your loved ones. The vaccine was available quickly because of a global effort. Because huge funds were made available by governments around the world. So something that would normally take years to just months. This pro-vaccination video was broadcast simultaneously on all major TV channels a few weeks ago and intends to clear up some of the concerns people may have about the vaccine, particularly among people from ethnic minority communities who, as broadcaster and historian David Olashoga suggested on Radio 4's Today programme, may be wary due to the entanglements in history between the history of medicine and history of colonialism and racism. The video encourages those in the BAME communities who have been disproportionately affected by COVID-19 to take up the offer to get the vaccine and features a number of celebrities. It's hoped that campaigns such as this will raise the profile of authoritative information about the vaccine and dispel myths from anti-vaxxers and conspiracy theorists online. That's it for this episode. If you have any suggestions, questions or comments, you can send them in using the link in the description. And if you want to hear more about what's going on, you can subscribe to this podcast. I'll see you next time.